You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Hello and welcome to episode five of Collection Curator. Today we're going to be talking about what to do with all of your outgrown stash. And notice I'm using stash there, um, and we'll talk about that and the reason why I'm using it coming up. But let's talk about what's happening on the farm. It is um, the middle of March almost, um, and it has been glorious weather the past three days. We've had temperatures in the 60s and 70s, and it just feels like spring. I just am so excited about um, seeing the trees leaf out soon. I have my witch hazel is blooming. It's the first thing here that blooms, and some of the crocuses are also blooming. And it's time right around the corner for us to do our big shearing where we shear everybody here, the goats and the sheep. The goats get sheared twice a year and the sheep only gets sheared once a year. So it's a big, big day. And especially since now we are in the pandemic, um, you know, we're, we're still socially distancing and masking. And usually we invite several helpers over to help us manage the animals and skirt the fleeces. But um, this time we're not. So it's going to be a big day of work. Just um, Bill, myself, and Emily doing the sharing. Um, so that will be next week. And um, more about that in an upcoming, upcoming episode. So here's a recap of what we've done so far in these five sessions. So I'm hoping that by now you have changed your vocabulary from your stash to your collection. I hope that you have found the love that you have for all of those beautiful, beautiful skeins that are in your collection or your rovings or fleeces or all those things that uh, you carefully bought over the years. Um, I hope you've embraced your role as a curator in that you have... Um, decided what's going to stay in your collection and what needs to go just like a museum curator you've gone through your yarn your roving your patterns your needles and your notions and you've set aside the items that you've outgrown or those that cause you shame or those that you no longer love and that's what we're going to be talking about today and i hope you've taken some before and after photos and shared them on social media or just have them for yourself so you can say, look at what it used to be and look at what it is now. I'm so proud of myself. That would be great. So here's what I have done. So yes, I have gone through my collection as well. Um, if you listen to the last episode, I was talking about needles and notions and I confess that that was a place where I really needed to do a lot of work and I have set aside a lot of those needles, a lot of those metal ones I was talking about, a lot of the, I, I had a lot of uh, plastic ones from my mother-in-law as well. They, those are gone, gone, gone. 
And I've organized the pat the, those needles as well. I still have to deal with the cables for my interchangeables. Um, I have not worked on that yet, but I will. Um, I've gone through my patterns and I put together skeins that I love that work together and put them in a bag and labeled them future shawl. Or if you know which shawl you want to make, you can actually put that pattern inside of your bag and you're all ready to go. So today we're going to talk about what do you do with all those unloved skeins that you have or needles or um, patterns, things like that. And there's really two separate lanes that you can take. Um, when we can get together again, you can organize a yarn swap with your friends or with your guild. Or if a party isn't your thing um, or you don't want to wait until we can all get back together again, you can donate them to organizations. So we'll talk about both of those today. If it was left up to me, I think I would do a yarn party. Um, it sounds really fun. I think I'm, you know, I'm missing my crafty friends and I think this sounds like so much fun. I did something similar several years ago. Some three other friends and I bought a bale of kimonos from Japan when you could still do that. So it's about 200 pounds of kimonos. And I think they were close to, I want to say a hundred. I think we each got 20 to 25 kimonos. Um, and it was, it was so much fun. It was a fun day and um, I have great memories of it. And that's why I think doing a yarn swap party would be really, really fun. Depending on the size of your venue, whether it's in your home or at a place where your guild meets, you you can determine how many people you think you can have. And it also will kind of determine what kind of party you have as well. I'll get to, into that in a minute. And you can invite people. They can bring their unloved skeins, their needles, their notions, and you can decide if you want to deal with patterns or not. That is up to you. On the website, on my website, flyinggoatfarm.com slash podcast, um, I will have a link for a sample invitation as well as um, rule cards for each of the two kinds of yarn swaps I'm going to talk about and a sample, a sample menu card where you can write down the menu of what you're having for your refreshments. A cute little package. So there are two kinds of yarn swaps that you can do. The first one is um, I, I'm calling it, it's, it's more relaxed. It's relaxed for you. It's more of a, like a kind of a chaotic thing. So this is what you do for both yarn swap parties is that you place the yarn on the correct table according to however you want to divide things up. I said on the, on the rules to put it by the weight. So all of your fingering weight yarns here, all your DKs there, all your worsted there, put your needles on this one. And each person takes a token for each skein or each item that they brought. Those tokens can be paper clips. They could be pennies. Um, I don't, all kinds of things you could use for um, a token. You could use little tickets, but that's kind of wasteful, I think. Um, before the shopping signal gets um, gets given, um, people can look, but they can't move the yarns into a pile, right? No, 
no hoarding piles allowed. You can look and, and kind of make a plan in your head, but no touching. Um, then when the signal is given, it's shopping time. And I'm putting that in air, air quotes. Um, and what then what people would do is for each, each item that I take, I'm going to put my one token back into the jar. And then when all of your tokens are gone, or if you just, you're happy with what you have, you're done shopping. So the other rules are no food and drink around the yarn. Keep your sticky fingers off the yarn. Um, and you're going to need both hands anyway when, when the shopping is, is going. So either do the food and drinks before or, the, or have your freshness after one of the two. And, you know, this is supposed to be fun. So no grumpy Gretchens or selfish Sallies are allowed. If there's any yarn left over for any reason, you can decide as a group what you're going to do about it. Whether you're going to have people take back the yarn that they brought or if you are going to donate the rest as a group. Either way is good. The second kind of party, I, I call it a more controlled party, and this would be if you have a much smaller group of people. I would say no more than 10. So you're going to start out the same way. People are going to bring their yarn. You're going to set it up on tables according to its weight or according to its color. Each person is then going to take a number out of the bowl, and that's their order of picking. Um, again, you can look, but don't move any yarns into a hoarding pile. And then you're going to go in numerical order to pick your yarn. And the first few rounds, you'd say probably you pick one skein. So everybody gets um, crack at, you know, the, the most coveted skeins that you would have in there. And then to make it go a little faster, maybe after the third third round, maybe you say pick five yarns, you know, pick 10 yarns, something like that to make it go a little bit faster. So it doesn't take an entire day to go through this. And the rest of the rules still apply. No food and drink, you know, have fun. Don't get upset um, and decide what you're going to do with the yarn leftovers as a group. So doesn't that sound like fun? I think it sounds like fun. Here's some ideas for, um, for refreshments. And so in my mind, I was thinking about, you know, what, what would look like yarn or what would, um, be evocative of yarn. I do have a Pinterest board and, um, again, on the website, on the podcast page, there'll be a link to that, um, Pinterest board that's called yarn trade party. Um, and you can see, the items that I think would be fun and you can actually click through to get the recipes. So that's, what's great about Pinterest. So here's some fun ideas that I found. One of the cutest things was those cake pops and they made it look like balls of yarn and even had a couple, I don't know what they use, but some cute little things that look like knitting needles sticking out of it with the darling. They are darling, darling, darling stuffed mushrooms. Um, I think the recipe that I picked was like a barley and, a barley and mushroom, stuffed mushroom, something like that. It was really yummy. Sliders kind of look round, right? So sliders with pulled pork or pit beef or um, barbecue chicken. How about a spaghetti pie? Um, those are really popular. And don't they remind you of a tangled ball of yarn? Um, that would be really fun. 
And then, of course, things made with melons or uh, that you can use a melon baller with. So a salad with mint and lime. Um, antipasti, a melon ball with prosciutto skewers or a skewer with, a, there's one with a cooked shrimp that's kind of around the melon ball. That'd be so refreshing. And then things that are kind of finger food-esque, like Caesar salad in a, like a shooter cup. Um and or a spoon with a fried ravioli and marinara on it. Really cute. And if you found if you found the round ravioli, that would also be evocative of yarn, right? So that would be really fun. Make it a party, make it fun, especially you know, this can only happen when we can actually, you know, get together and everybody's been vaccinated. And so it's really gonna be a time of celebration and um, so much fun. All right, so you still have leftovers or um, or that the party wasn't your thing. So what are you going to do as far as donating your items? Um, if you live near a, a larger town or city, things are going to be easier. That's just the way it is. Um, if you don't, it's going to take a little bit more digging. Um, but there's going to there's lots of places out there that would love to have your leftover stash. So here's some ideas that I had for donations, and I would love it if you um, have any other ideas that I haven't thought of. Um, you know, shoot me an email or make a comment um, on the podcast um, or on the YouTube so that, you know, we can add to, um, to the knowledge for everybody. The quickest and easiest way to finish this task is just to go to Salvation Army or Goodwill and give it. You're done with it. They know how they can take care of it. They'll take just about anything, right? But if you want to have, have be a little bit more deliberate about how your donation is going to be used, think about these options. Um, look for art schools with a textile program in your area. I know if you are local to me, the um, the Art Institute of Maryland, I think MICA, down in Baltimore, they have a great textile program and they probably would be happy to take leftover yarn for their students. Um, many public and private schools also, especially at the high school level, have um, a textile program. So I know, again, if you're lo local to me, um, Howard County has a textile program in their high school. Um, so check, check the school districts in your area also, you know how teachers are. teachers have to fund a lot of their own materials. That's just a fact of life. Um, and so if you can even find individual art teachers, especially in those poorer parts of town, which might not even have very good funding for their art program at all, um, you might want to contact them. I'm sure they would love having additional materials. And... Um, Google has made it so much easier to find these, you know, to find teachers now. You just go to the district website and under the district website, they have the individual school websites and usually they will list their faculty. And a lot of times they will have an email address for that faculty person. So you can just send them a quick email and say, hey, you know, I have these, this yarn, I have these crochet hooks, I have these needles, can you use some extra materials in your classroom 
Um, they might even have after school programs. It's, I'm thinking even in the elementary uh, arena or middle school arena where they might have clubs or something after school that uh, might want to have those materials. Um, scouting troops. I know I was a Girl Scout. And so there were uh, there were um, crafting kinds of badges. And especially if it's um, in a neighborhood that, again, is a lower socioeconomic neighborhood, they might really appreciate having extra um, materials. Uh, I'm not familiar with the Boy Scouts, or now I think that's just called Scouts of America. I'm not familiar with Campfire Girls or um, Bluebirds because I wasn't one of them. Um, but I'm sure that they probably would love to have something for enriching their um, their troops. Daycare centers, the same thing. Boys and Girls Clubs of America, they do great work, after-school programs, um, and I'm sure that they would love to have some crafty items for their students um, to use. So family and, uh, and women's shelters, too. We think of them as, you know, taking in finished goods, but um, I'm sure that they would love to learn how to knit or learn how to crochet and having those materials on hand would be excellent. Adult daycare, homeless shelters, and even art museum outreach programs, especially if you um, look, the ones that would have uh, student or children's summer programs those would probably be some you know a place where having extra yarn needles hooks those kind of things would be helpful now you could be thinking this oh well i really should use this to make preemie hats or make something for the homeless shelter and i'm here to say to you stop it you just did all that work to separate your collection, your coveted, beautiful collection from the stash that you that no longer gives you joy. So if you go to that stash that no longer gives you joy in order to try to, you know, make charitable knitting, it is going to be um, more heartache, heartache for you, I think. Yes, there's a place for charity knitting, and you should definitely do some of that with your time. But think about being realistic. You know, will the yarn that you just culled because it didn't bring you joy, will you find joy while you're making um, charity knitting, or will that bring you down? So think about it. Donate it first. Think about charity knitting later, or pick one thing out to do a charity knitting um, and then give the rest away. So I hope that you have been following me on this journey. Um, you may not be finished and that's okay. If this is not about, uh, you know, it has to be done right now. Um, it's a journey, you know, doing a little bit at a time will really um, help in the long run. Uh, I would love to see photos if you have before and after photos. Remember that you can post them on social media. You can tag me with Blind Goat Farm, or you can use the hashtag collection curator. And I'm also looking for one or two people who've taken this journey with me. I'd love to have a conversation on the podcast about what you learned, 
How do you feel about your collection now? And so if you're interested in being one of those people, please send me an email and we can set something up. So up next in season two, we're gonna switch gears here and I'm gonna talk about being a color explorer. So in this next part of season two, we're gonna do a deep dive into color. I'm gonna be teaching you about color. We're gonna talk about color harmonies and interactions. We're gonna talk about how to pick colors that go together. And my intention is for you to develop your own unique color sense because we all have our own colors. We, we see colors differently. We, um, depending on the, the rods and cones in our eyes, and we each have colors that we love or colorways that we love. And I really want to help you to build confidence in your color choices. And so that will be coming up in the next part of season two. So until next time, when we start to explore color, happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Goat Herd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making. <laughs>